there, friends, and welcome to the Bible Stories for Heathen Children Halloween special. Now for the spooky stories I promised you. The Bible is known for having moral lessons and being the foundational text of Christianity, but it actually has a lot of creepy, spooky, and really weird stories. And in honor of Halloween, one of my favorite holidays, I'm going to tell a couple of them. The first story has a witch. It also involves our old friend Saul the day before his death. Maybe you're thinking, I thought the Bible was very anti-witch. Well, yes. In fact, King Saul had recently killed every witch and medium and anyone who consulted with spirits that he could find in Israel. Anyone who remained went into hiding. Now, in these stories, being a witch is considered real, it's just considered bad. If you're a man talking to the Lord God and doing miracle with the power from the Lord God, good. But if you're a woman talking to other spirits or doing magic that way, that's bad. Now, if you remember, God sometimes gives King Saul the silent treatment. And by now, Samuel the prophet, who Saul got advice from, who was pretty old, had died. But King Saul is looking out at this huge camp of Philistines, the big gathering for war that David wasn't allowed to join, if you remember that from episode 5. And Saul is worried. He tries to ask God what he should do, but God's not talking to him in dreams. He's not talking to him through other prophets. And the prophet Samuel is dead, and Saul is really scared. So Saul decides he needs help from a witch, except he's destroyed all of the most popular ones. But he thinks maybe he missed one somewhere, so he sends his men out looking for a witch. He says they need to find a woman who can talk to spirits, and they tell him they think of it they've found one. Saul puts on different clothes, not his usual king clothes, to disguise himself, and he visits her with a bunch of men in the middle of the night, because that's not creepy at all, and he says, I need you to consult a spirit for me. She's very suspicious, but remember, they didn't have TV or newspapers, so she didn't actually know what King Saul looked like. She just didn't trust a man coming to her house in the night, a man who obviously was in a position of power based on the fact that he had a bunch of men there he was in charge of. She was afraid she'd be killed if they believed she was a witch. So when Saul asks, are you a witch that you can call up a spirit for me? She says, of course you've heard that the King Saul has killed all the witches. Why are you trying to set a trap for me? And then Saul swears, nothing bad will happen to you if you do this for me. Okay, she says, who do you want me to call up? The prophet Samuel, says Saul. And she does her rituals, however you go about calling up the ghost of a dead man. Uh, It doesn't give us any details, shockingly. And then to her surprise, she sees the spirit of Samuel rising up from the grave. And she knows the spirit of Samuel wouldn't just answer for just anybody. And she's like really scared and she screams, You are Saul! You're King Saul! Why did you deceive me? And he's like, don't be afraid. Just tell me what you see. And she says, I see a spirit coming out of the earth. By spirit, I think she means what we might call a ghost, except not the kind that looks like a boo from Mario, more the kind that looks like a shadowy version of the person they once were. What does he look like? Asked Saul, because he couldn't see the ghost yet, I guess. It's an old man coming up, wearing a robe. And then Saul knew it was Samuel, and he bowed down with his face to the ground. And Samuel spoke to him, Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? I'm in trouble, Saul replied. The Philistines have a huge army ready to attack me, and God has turned away from me, and he doesn't talk to me through other prophets or in dreams, so I called you up from the dead to tell me what to do. And the ghost of Samuel said, The Lord God has turned his back on you because you didn't obey. David will be king, and tomorrow you will lose to the Philistines. They will conquer your armies, and you and your sons will join me. This was not the news Saul was hoping for. 
to hear that he'd die and join Samuel as a dead person, and he just collapsed completely on the floor. And the woman said, look, I took a big risk in helping you with this, and now you need to listen to me. You need to eat some food. It will give you some strength so that you can go on your way. I think she wanted to get him out of there. Can't imagine why. So she cooked some meat and made some quick bread like crackers, and Saul sat up and he ate it, and his men ate too, and then they left. And Saul did fight the Philistines the next day, and he did die the next day, and David did eventually become the king, just like the ghost of Samuel said. I don't know about you, but if someone yelled at me and then never spoke to me again for the rest of their life, I don't think I would go trying to call up their spirit after they died, even if that was a thing that could have really happened in real life. Anyway, so that story was a good Halloween double whammy, in my opinion. It had a witch and a ghost. Another good story for Halloween comes from the New Testament, and it's about Jesus. Jesus in Christianity did miracles, like a prophet, but he's supposed to be the son of God, so more than a prophet. And in fact, in this story, he wants to prove that he's more than a prophet. Jesus had left the area known as Judea because people there wanted to kill him. He got a message from that area from a woman named Mary and her sister Martha, who were Jesus' friends, telling him, The one you love is sick. They meant their brother Lazarus was very sick. But after getting the message, Jesus stayed where he was for two days. Then he said to his disciples, those were the men who followed him around and believed that he was the son of God. He said, let's go back to Judea. And they're like, um, are you sure? Because last time we were there, the people tried to kill you. And he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going to wake him up. And when they heard that, they said, oh, that's good. It's good that he's getting some rest. He should recover from his sickness. But Jesus sometimes deliberately makes things hard to understand, and he realizes they didn't know what he meant, so he clarifies. He's dead, but for your sakes, it's good I wasn't there to heal him, so you can believe in me. How did Jesus know Lazarus was dead by now? Because he has supernatural miracle abilities and future vision like prophets often do. And the disciples were all really sad because Lazarus was their friend too. By the time Jesus and his disciples finally got back to Bethany in Judea, where Mary and Martha lived, Lazarus had been buried for four days already. Now, people being healed of sickness was a fairly normal miracle, not even always an obvious miracle. And if you recall from last week's story, people have been raised from the dead by prophets and stories, but always when they hadn't been dead for very long. So when Jesus arrived, Martha, the sister of Mary and Lazarus, said, I know if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died, but even now I believe God will give you what you ask for. And Jesus said, your brother will rise again. And she said, I know he'll rise again when the dead are resurrected at the last day, because that was a thing Jesus talked about sometimes. And Jesus told her, I'm the resurrection and the life, and whoever believes in me will never die. Do you believe me? But she knows Lazarus did die. But as I said, everyone knows by now that Jesus says things in metaphor and intentionally makes it hard to understand sometimes. And when Jesus asked if she believed that, she said, yes. And then Martha goes and gets her sister Mary. Mary. And Mary has been at the house mourning. And then Martha, when Martha said, come out, Jesus is here, Mary got up and left really quickly. And all the loved ones and friends who were there mourning with her, they thought she's going to mourn at the grave now instead of in the house. So they went too. When Mary saw Jesus, she said, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And she probably wants to know, why did it take Jesus so long to answer her message? I bet she'd be really mad if she knew he'd just sat around for two days waiting for time to pass. And Jesus said, show me where you've put him. Come and see, she said. And Jesus wept. 
And there were all the disciples and all of Lazarus's friends there. And some of them said, see how much he loved Lazarus? He's so sad that he died. But others said, we've seen this guy do miracles. Jesus should have been able to heal Lazarus from being sick, sick and kept him from dying. So they took Jesus to the tomb where Lazarus was buried. And it was like a cave with a big rock in front of it. And Jesus said, move that rock out of the way. But the sister Martha said, he's been in there for four days. It's going to smell awful by now. Lazarus's body was wrapped in cloths, maybe a little like a mummy, but not as tight as an Egyptian mummy and without all the chemicals the Egyptians used to prevent the decay of bodies. So the body would be stinky having it been buried for four days already. But Jesus insists that they move the stone out of the way. And so some of the people work together to move the huge rock out of the way. Then Jesus prayed, Father, that's how he talked to God. Father, thank you for hearing me. I know you always hear me. I'm just saying it out loud for the benefit of all these people listening so they'll believe you sent me. Then in a really loud voice, he said, Lazarus, come out. And everyone watched as emerging from the darkness, there was a movement. Something was coming slowly, cautiously, stepping out of the shadows while everyone watched, holding their breath. The light bounced first on the white cloth that was wrapped around the figure of a man. It was a man. It was Lazarus. He had fabric wrapped around his arms and legs and face, and he was just walking around stiffly because of the wrapping, fresh from the dead after being buried four days. No one had ever heard of this happening before, even in the old stories. Then Jesus told them to unwrap him and let him free. And after that big of a miracle, a lot of people believed in him when he said, I am the son of God, which is exactly what he'd been planning. That's why he sat around for a couple days before heading back to meet them, even though uh, they all knew he can heal the sick. By the end of the story, I don't think Mary and Martha really cared about all the dramatic waiting because they got their brother back anyways. Well, they got him back until he presumably died again of old age, I guess. Because even in Christianity, when people take these stories literally, the idea of Jesus saving people so they never die is still just considered a metaphor most of the time. That last bit about Lazarus eventually dying again wasn't in the stories as I heard them as a kid, by the way. I was taught that Jesus was perfect and everything he did was good because he did it, but we don't talk that way on this podcast. So I'm allowed to question whether or not it was good for Jesus to let his friend die on purpose, even though in the story he could have brought him back to life earlier or healed him from sickness. I mean, it was a very effective marketing strategy, but it sounds so cold and unkind. He even made himself sad about Lazarus dying. I wonder if he regretted his decision. Is that why he wept? Jesus is a character who is capable of regret is so interesting to me. Do you like it when characters and stories are able to question their own behavior? Is there a story you really like when a character took a look at themselves and made that change? Apologies to Michael Jackson and Lego Batman for that quote. Well, that's all for now. I hope you like these Halloween specials. It's the last day of the month, so it's a really good time to sign up as a Patreon supporter for $1 or $5 a month. It'll be withdrawn from your account and paid to Patreon at the beginning of the month after you sign up. I'm still hoping to meet my goal of using Patreon money to pay for my podcast hosting fees, and I'm a couple dollars closer thanks to my newest patrons. The first one is Emily. That is our second Emily in a row, in fact. If this is a game, Emily's are winning. And there's another new patron this week, Esteban. Thanks so much, y'all. Join us next week for the story from Genesis 2, Adam and Eve. That story was foundational for a lot of beliefs in the churches I grew up in. 
But there was a lot of spin in it every time I heard it. Because of all the spin, I'll actually be telling Adam and Eve's story twice. Sort of an experimental thing. I'll be telling Adam and I'll be telling first the story I heard as a kid um, with all the spins that I heard as a kid. And then with a suggested interpretation that I've made up now that I've left the church. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Bible Stories for Heathen Children. Our theme music is Wholesome by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution. Until next time, shine on, Star Child, and Happy Halloween!